Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Ben. You're listening to the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. Dueling Genre. Welcome to the Jay and Silent Bob Minute, where we are covering the movie Mallrats one minute at a time. Today we are covering Minute 58, which is quite possibly the greatest castration minute ever. I'm Jeff Ferry. And I'm Bob Kester from Immunities. Immunities? That's a podcast that I've heard of and listened to. All right. But surprisingly, it's not a Movies by Minute podcast. You need to tell us all about it. People on this podcast uh, feed aren't familiar with other shows sometimes. <laughs> uh, Immunities is an ongoing audio drama. It's uh, an invasion of the body snatchers-like scenario, except that it starts – Three months after the – except the invasion worked, and this is three months later, and this tiny, tiny portion of humanity uh, turned out to be immune to it. And they're sort of at an impasse with the alien invaders as to exactly how they're going to uh, coexist on Earth and, you know, each trying to figure out how to sort of get rid of the other one. Yeah, that's why I really enjoy it. You tackled what I consider the harder part of the story after the invasion. Everybody does the invasion because that's, you know – the action, they're here, we're doing this. You're doing the more difficult part of like, okay, everything's settled down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now what? <laughs> it's the part of the story you don't normally get. Yeah, and I always appreciate it when somebody else does that sort of thing. So I figured I found a story that they hadn't done that with yet. And so I ran with it. And we've had – so we've had two seasons and then we're currently in our hiatus uh, awaiting me uh, getting everything together enough to uh, come out with a third season. So if you're looking for that, go over to DuelingGenre.com. Because that's true. I know that's one of its homes. Or immunitiesdrama.com for yeah. direct stuff. Awesome. All right. So uh, we're in minute 58 here. This minute starts with Svenning verbally smacking down TS and ends <laughs> with Brony handling panties. <laughs> so uh, um, you weren't here last week, but uh, last week actually had like a 45 second long camera move, which we're now seeing the end of. Yeah, just seeing the end of it by itself and like with that purple background and like the way it sort of twists, I was reminded of like the 1966 Batman series more than anything else. It was... Oh, yeah. It does look like maybe the Riddler will jump out. <laughs> not, I, yeah, with that purple, that could be Riddler or Penguin or uh, everything on that was primary colors. I guess it could have been any of them. <laughs> right. Where you see like Eartha Kit come out, maybe. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to try to do that, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not sure which one. Because they all had a slightly different affectation of how they talked. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't remember which one was which. <laughs> must have been too long since I've watched Batman 66. <laughs> that seems I like know, a good bet. Yeah, Mr. Spending could have uh, he could have been on Batman 66. He would have been like uh, the underboss to one of these guys, the one's like, right, boss. <laughs> <laughs> He's sort of like here, he looks like an evil high school coach or something. <laughs> with, with his whistle? Yeah, exactly. With his whistle on? Yeah, and, uh, I, I like uh, Svenning's line here. He's talking about how Brandy's going to find a decent guy on a game show. <laughs> That's where she wants his daughter looking for a good guy. Someone with a brain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wonder what at- TS has done to show that he has no brain in Svenning's eyes or if he just looked at him and he just did, did jump to that conclusion. Which I feel seems like reasonable. He might be that type of guy where any kid who he doesn't pick out, he's going to see all the flaws in. Right. Where if it was a guy that he had handpicked, it'd be the opposite. He wouldn't see the flaws. Kind of like um, if you have your favorite football, hockey, whatever team, like you mm. only see the penalties committed by the other team. You sure. never notice when your guy's holding or dragging guys <laughs> down. Like, I don't see that. No. Like, he sees the flaws because he doesn't like TS to begin with. 
Like, TS is in college. We know that much. I don't know mm-hmm. before. I mean, he could be doing, like, poli-sci or something. But, <laughs> like, something Which, where he's just going to spend $80,000 and have no skills. Sorry for all the poli-sci majors out there. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to one, and I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to argue with you. Well, that's what I assumed. I, th- I, I thought I was batting around there somewhere. <laughs> Unless, it, I mean, it could have been something, like, writing-wise. I don't know, but I had to be in there somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, I do like uh, – part of Immunities does take place in sort of the equivalent of a city council meeting, so that probably is a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> what are city council meetings like after the invasion? Oh, I've just got – everybody's going to want to know. That's like uh, if you've ever read Stephen King's The Stand. Oh, yeah. A hundred, at least 100 pages of meetings. <laughs> it's like, dude, I love you, but Jesus, this is the third meeting in like the last four chapters. <laughs> And they're Stephen King meetings, so they're not like two pages. They're like <laughs> he's 30 from New, pages. He's from New England. He likes direct democracy at the lowest level. That's, oh, that's where it was born. Uh, we don't have time for a mayor. We just want to have a town, <laughs> town council. <laughs> or whatever. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be a mayor up there. It would be a not, not a selectman. Uh, oh. Manager, maybe? A town yeah, manager. I, was, I was about to say city manager or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. I hope everyone enjoyed my spot-on main accent, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said when uh, T.S. now accuses him of setting this all up, which he admits freely that he did. And sure. he's as proud of that as he is of this game show. Well, <laughs> this game show is hot garbage, so. <laughs> yeah, that seems really that, – that shows that Svenning's – yeah, is very blinkered in his. Uh, speaking of like not being able to see the flaws in anything, you know. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, well we're already we've spoken over the last like month about, or at least I have. It's been a real a thorn in my side of like this game show is today in the next couple hours, and they're just building the stage now. Yeah, yeah. I can see putting finishing touches on, like bringing the podium out, like that type of thing. Like they're literally building it. <laughs> it's like. Everyone's seen, like, the Santa thing at the mall. Like, they don't build that, like, four hours before Santa's supposed to show up. It's not like, well, Santa's going to be here at noon. Hey, we should probably start throwing this stage up at, like, 8 a.m. And also with, like, the deleted scenes, we've already had people sort of running down the whole idea, right? Like, like, like oh, at the yeah. governor's thing, so. Oh, yeah, the deleted scenes, I mean. You're, I we're know. not waiting toward the end for people to say, you know, this was a stupid idea in the first place. Yeah. Like, he's already, he's known it from the start. Well, I, I, have you seen? Have you ever seen the full version of like the uncut one, like the one that we're covering? No, I uh, just it's watched little bits of it. It's difficult to find. Like that's before I watched it this last time. I'd only ever seen it like that too. Like I watched the governor's ball thing, and there's not much of it. I think over the course of our week, we've only got like maybe one line that was a cut line. Hmm. But they make callbacks. I mean, the bad thing is the opening scene wasn't good, and then most of the callbacks to the opening scene were also not good. So it's one of those few times where you're like. Yeah, I see why you cut all this, and it, it worked out. This, <laughs> this was not good before. Like, I realize this movie was not a hit, but I don't think it would have been a hit that it was on VHS if it had gone out the original way. Uh-huh. I, I do like a – well, first of all, I mean, I have a deep abiding love for Michael Rooker anyway. I think he's an amazing actor. But in this scene, he – for like half a second, he kind of like gets in close to T.S., and he's like, T.S., yeah, I, I just want to tell you something. It seems like he's going to give this guy some like actual advice. Yeah, 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 definitely. He, like, he, go, he makes a little almost, change. He, like, almost baits him into being like, yeah, you know what? It may be, and then he's like, you understand me? No? Guard. <laughs> like, that quickly, <laughs> it just changes. 
Well, it's not like he gives TS, you know, he's not like exactly like George Clooney from up in the air or anything like that, talking about like, what a great life you're going to live from now on, you know, it's like, or, you know, that there's, you know, some other girl you're going to find or something like that. It's just like, you know, you're going to be wherever you are, and you're not going to be here. Won't that be great? (laughs) You're not going to be with my daughter anymore. Go away. (laughs) Yo, you made no response in four seconds because you're a 21-year-old kid. Guard. And (laughs) as we've we've said in this, the guards in this movie are always right there. Right, right. This is at least the second occasion where they have appeared out of nowhere like they're friggin' Nightcrawler. Like they're just (laughs) – Well, if you had the ability to bounce people like that, it would probably atrophy your social skills quite a bit over time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just – you know what? Just everything looks like a nail when I've got this guard right here. (laughs) Like – from where that guard comes from, so that guard must have been standing, what, maybe five feet from this conversation? Right, right. Like, if you're TS, aren't you looking over at that guard like, what, why is this guard standing so close to us? <laughs> like, uh, I'm not liking this. And then we get, uh, yeah, so the guard, the guard pulls him off. Not not a security guard we've seen before, just one of the, the 40 or 50 security guards that apparently this mall employs. Right. Unlike my local mall, which I believe has maybe one at a time. <laughs> And also, these mall security guards are all, like, in their 20s and 30s. All mall security guards I've ever seen have only two age brackets, either, like, under 18 or over 75. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I'd say, like, most mall security that I've ever seen, their main job is to keep people from just parking in the no parking spot in front of stores and just, like, hanging out there, you know, wait, waiting for somebody or whatever. Okay. Or parking directly in front of the mall. Like, oh, no, no, you can't park here. You can't park right in front of the mall. You got to keep going. <laughs> That and if they're young, younger kids, it's uh, wandering around the food court, desperately trying to hit on women who have no interest in someone that's a mall security guard. <laughs> <laughs> I know one thing about you, and it's a deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. It's like, listen, the great thing about our relationship is that we both know it's never going to happen even before you walk over here. So <laughs> it's, good, it's the type of thing you want to know. It's, it's best to get that out of the way early. Right. Because chances are if you're a mall security guard – you're not independently wealthy. So there goes 75% of your chance <laughs> right there. <laughs> you're better and, off trying out like during your off hours when at least they, you know, they might get to know you before they learn that you're a mall security guard. It's like the uh, revenge of the nerds thing where like uh, they say, you know, you know, you know, you might consider not sending a photograph of yourself next time. <laughs> oh yeah. When they say, Oh, one college accepted us. Oh, it's the one we didn't send our picture to. <laughs> lambda, lambda, lambda. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you live and you learn, I guess, with him. <laughs> right. All right, so the guard drags our poor hapless T.S. off. And and, uh, and we get a nice uh, – it's just a – it's funny. We had one of these in my uh, Clerks Minutes, too, which is the Kevin Smith touch of the line from completely off camera. So, you know, it's like, you can't get away with this. <laughs> <laughs> which in and, Clerks, it was the 37, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the guy walks on camera and you're like, where, where was he at? <laughs> I do remember that. It's just like, wait, wait. Oh, uh, speaking of uh, people from Clerks, our, our old friend Scott Mosher's in this scene. Uh. Now, uh, no longer bearded or hassling people on a roof during a hockey game. <laughs> He's moved up in the world to get a vest. Uh, he I... is he is the Mr. Spenning's latest toady. Yeah, I just love up. the smarmy look on his face. That's just oh great. Oh my god, yeah. He just, he looks like, I mean, with his like, feathered spiked hair and like that little weaselly smile. He, I mean, he looks, he, he looks like someone you need to slap. Even his whole outfit where he's got a tie, long sleeve shirt and a vest. It's the whole thing is just awful. <laughs> 
And he's got a, it makes me laugh though because he was a producer on the movie, so he he may have had a headset on all day, and then he's like, "Great, now I got to be in a scene with a friggin' headset on too." Like, <laughs> get away from this. It always makes me laugh when I watch a scene like this because this is Michael Rooker, who was at this point, uh, probably not considered an A-list actor, but he was well known from Henry Porter's serial killer. He'd been in Cliffhanger recently, like he was a professional working actor for a decade, and like he's running scenes with. Like Scott Mosier, who's right, who right. produced Clerks, but like <laughs> he's such a pro. Like even when he's got and he his last scene, he had Walt Flanagan in his last scene with him before this. Like he just carries these guys around. Like okay, these guys are at best you know marginal actors, but like no problem. I carry this whole scene with like no problem. Yeah, that's great. That's a great attitude. Yeah. Where like I could see some people like that's what always makes me laugh about Kevin's movies where he gets these he'll get like fairly big stars to be in him a lot of the time and from what i've heard it's just because he personally and his set in general is just a great place to work so if you're used to being like with asshole directors or tough sets mm-hmm. you come there and you're like oh this is great like guys lay back we just come in do our work go home that's true and you know scott Mosier's not going to play ego games with you about like you know who gets to set first or anything like that yeah you know? <laughs> it's like yeah we realize that you're you know you're michael rooker and besides the fact that you're a a good actor and well-known you're also physically intimidating <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's that he, he even drops a little deeper into his like his alabama accent in this scene right like you can hear it like creeping out a little bit he also does something which i'm thinking a lot of not not a lot of actors could have pulled off he takes as i have written down in my notes a villainous drink of water <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> Well, that thing is kind of that's kind of like Chekhov's bottle of water there in his like shirt pocket. You know, you you in a movie you don't put something like that in a chest pocket unless it's yeah. going to come out. <laughs> he even gets like the music sting of like the dun dun. Takes a drink of water. <laughs> yeah, it's not a flask. It's literally a little bottle of water. Right. Which wouldn't? I mean, this is ninety five. They would not been as prevalent back then. Where like now every person on Earth walking around with a bottle of water. I feel like it was a. It's true. It was probably a bigger thing on like film sets than most places, actually. Like you know, yeah, some place where you don't have easy access to that type of thing. That's true, and where you know you have people who don't trust local water too. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, oh, I can't possibly drink this Minnesota water. What do they know about water? Exactly. Yeah, like here in Chicago, it was actually apparently a problem for a little while because, like, you know, like every, you know, every, the everybody was sort of just expected to drink tap water here, and uh, they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> they came from anywhere else. The uh... I've had that battle in my own home about this. <laughs> I'm just like, why are we buying bottled water? Water flows in here. It's like if I went back a, like a 200 years and showed people our running water, they would be amazed by it. Yet I still have to buy bottled water. <laughs> Whenever I'm having a uh, recording for one of my uh, podcast things, I always get bring a flat of water just because it just seems like a thing to do. And I think I've gotten about two takers over the course of year over the course of the years. Everybody comes with a thermos. All, all like actual actors like, carry thermoses you know, here. Oh yeah, I see a lot of. I, I, the thing that I've laughed about water bottles over the years, like he's got a nice tiny water bottle here. I swear they're getting bigger. I see people carrying around like half liter jugs, like, huge <laughs> things. I'm like, how is that convenient to walk around with that? You know, it's a bargain at the store. You know, on the, in terms of what you're paying for ounce, it's the, you can't afford not to buy it. Yeah, but the real bargain is to buy a, a 99 cent thermos and fill it up in my tap water. <laughs> like, well, there's that too. I'm, I'm really making out well there. 
One thing I'm thinking, I've just been thinking for, you know, you talking about that headset is wondering like how much of the stuff in this shot, in this scene is like the actual practical stuff. You know, is that, that's like probably Scott Mosher's actual headset. I think what Michael Rooker is holding is probably like an actual property list from the movie or something like that. I did possibly like all the stuff having, having to do with his show. So it would, you know, just be the exact same, you know, <laughs> thing in either yeah. universe. You know? I tried to look at it. I tried to look at his clipboard. It's just, it's too small and, you know, it's not exactly filmed at HD where I could like zoom in and look at it. Oh, sure. But I, I couldn't tell. It just, you could tell it was like lined off. It looked like every, I mean, it wasn't like blah, blah, blah. It, they, they went, it's important. They were smart enough not to make it too obvious that it was something fake, but yeah, they're wearing all these lanyards and stuff like that could be the lanyard from the set. <laughs> right. <laughs> like exactly. Their actual one. I was like, yeah, this is it's basically just what I wore here. Or like most of the stuff they did. They're just like, Hey, just take something off the rack. That's what you're going to wear. <laughs> Yeah, that was my my last note for this minute was the smug assistant Scotty Mosier. <laughs> oh yeah, he's such a weasel in this scene. And well, like would... the way the way he doesn't respond when like Rooker like orders him out like makes no sense whatsoever. But I love yeah. it anyway. Just you know, it's like nope, he's just having his moment. <laughs> well, for like half a second, I think he's on. He thinks he's on the same level as Rooker there for a second. Of like, yeah, we're both gonna stare at him as he gets drug away, and then he's just like, wait, what are you still doing here? <laughs> like, you're my assistant. If you – in the original – I mean you've seen it. In the original uh, opening, he has a different assistant who almost gets killed by the governor's secret service or whatever they are. Uh-huh. Like they throw him down on the ground. He's like, oh my god. Like they put a gun to his head. It's crazy. <laughs> For a movie called Mallrats, in the original version, there was an awful lot of gunplay. Wow. Like there's a shootout in the first five minutes. Like TS has a gun. It's nuts. And where are you going to go from there? I mean it's the <laughs> – it's like the opening for a different movie. Right, right. Speaking it's a problem of, of stakes. <laughs> Speaking of a different movie, we finally get done. We say goodbye to Michael Rooker. I don't think we'll – we will not see Michael Rooker again this week. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you have any uh, parting thoughts with, uh, about Rooker? Uh, nothing about Rooker. I guess I uh, – watching it this time, I was trying to take note of every time Jeremy London did anything that I liked. And <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any? I've got I've got one. I mean, he's got sort of a nice like a uh, sort of lost teenager look in the in the early parts. But when the uh, like looking at it, especially looking at it frame by frame, but when the uh, security guy actually grabs him, his like eyes bug out in just the greatest way because he he looks like legitimately shocked that like you know a human being is just suddenly dragging him away out of nowhere. <laughs> I feel like we're. I mean, I, I've mentioned it before. He's not. I feel like I'm coming down on him all the time. He's not bad in this movie, but he's just, he's very just okay. He has his ups and downs. Sometimes he struggles with like the real heavy, weird Kevin Smith dialogue when Kevin's really laying it on. He sounds like me saying it, like I'm just reading Mm -hmm. it off the script where other people could just, they just nail that bam, 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 that dialogue just comes out. Like when Affleck and Jason Lee are hitting it or Rooker's hitting that dialogue, it's boom, 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 boom. It's coming out. Right, right. Where he does it and it's kind of just gets a little... I don't know if it's him, the actor, or he wasn't used to this dialogue, or he was high. I mean, it was probably a little bit of all those. Right. I have a couple of theories, but they tie more into next minute, so I'll save them. All right. Well, we'll do that. I mean, uh, we'll make a brief mention of what we have at the end of this minute, which is just – I mean, we'll talk more about it next minute. It's just – you see Jason Lee holding up a pair of panties. Um, we will go into it next minute. I didn't double-check, but I'm almost 100% sure this is the cut scene. You don't see Jason uh-huh. in the – it cuts straight to the rest of the minute after this in the in the uh, theatrical version. So you don't see Jason Lee hold the panties up and you don't hear the line that we're going to hear next minute. 
Ah, that makes sense, because I certainly didn't remember that line, and it seems like something that would have stuck out in my brain. Well, here's the thing. I didn't go back and rewatch them to get, like, against each other and compare them. So we're going mm. off 100% of my memory. But usually my memory of movies is pretty good for that kind of stuff. So if I'm wrong, someone go into Jane, Jane Silent Bob Quicker Stop and tell me that I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure that I'm not about this. And whenever I am wrong, people are always nice enough to go in there in a very, very polite way to tell me <laughs> that I've made a mistake. <laughs> Um, do you have anything else about this particular minute? Nope, I'm done with that. All right, so uh, once again, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and your podcast and uh, anything else you may be up to. Uh, from uh, Immunities, which is from DealingGenre.com, and uh, you can find out more about it, ImmuniediesDrama.com, Immunities Drama on Twitter, Immunities on Facebook. Um, I've also just uh, recently uh, written a science fiction novel called Insistent Oracles, which is a sort of first contact like modern day first contact with aliens sort of thing. And there's an audio book about that. You can find everything about that on Amazon. And if you are looking for more of us, you can find us over at uh, Jane Silent Bob Minute on Facebook. Jane Silent Bob Quicker Stop is where you can go to chat with us about whatever's going on in this minute. Um, you know, put up your theories of what you think is going on or what we missed, what other things may be there. Uh, if you like normally Chris and I on here, you could go back to when we did the Burbs Minute. That was our first incarnation of a Movies by Minute thing. Uh, I've listened to it a while. I'm sure it was wonderful, though. I mean, two rookies going out there to start a podcast. I'm sure there was no issues at all. <laughs> um, you can also find us on Twitter. I think we're Jay and Bob Minute. Uh, make sure you check out DuelingGenre.com for such fine podcasts as Immunities. And uh, a bunch of other Movies by Minutes. Uh, they got some Doctor Who podcasts over there. They got a little bit of everything for everybody. All right, I think that's about it. Would anybody out there like a chocolate-covered pretzel? Uh-huh.